When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Free agency's been roaring for just over 24 hours, and still nobody knows what Kawhi Leonard might do. The entire Lakers universe is waiting. The Lakers front office is waiting. We are all waiting. We are all guessing. We are all hoping to know, but none of us actually do. So this entire podcast is going to be dedicated toward free agency and the cost of acquiring Kawhi. I am your host, Ethan Noroff, and I am thrilled to be joined today by my guest, who I will introduce in just a moment. But first, we have to give a quick nod to our our sponsor, Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee, because during this free agent period, I have slept a grand total of about 48 minutes. That is still mo- more than Woj, which is pretty incredible when you think about it, but I could not be doing this without my coffee. So big shout out to those guys. And I am sure that our guests with how busy the Lakers have been, or seemingly busy the Lakers have been, has had to have some caffeine in his back pocket himself. The man, the myth, the legend, Christian Rivas, the deputy editor from Silver Screen and Roll, the Lakers SB Nation blog. Christian, thanks for taking the time today, man. How are you? I am doing as well as I possibly can right now. Um, The amount of silence there is on, you know, around this time of year is is frightening to me. But I mean, if if the Lakers get the guy they want to get, I guess it's all worth it, right? Uh, that's that's the thing, man. It's all about the opportunity cost with Kawhi Leonard. And and really what the Lakers are chasing with this is a chance at greatness, right? The chance at historic greatness. And so how long can you just before we get into all of that, you know, can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, man? How did you come to start covering the Lakers? How long you been involved in this sphere? Well, so I wasn't a very good high school student, um, but I knew going out of high school that I wanted to pursue a career in sports media, um, particularly broadcast journalism. So when I got into college, I took any class that said broadcast and journalism because, again, college wasn't really at the forefront of my mind while I was in high school. So didn't really know what I was doing. Took a journalism class, fell in love with it. Uh, And once I got the basics of what I was doing and or at least what I thought I knew I was doing, um, I got out into the workforce, and I've been doing this for almost three years now. So it has definitely had its fair share of ups and downs, but, I mean, I've had a good time. I'm grateful for the opportunities I've gotten, and, uh, I mean, on most days it's lots of fun, but during this time of year it can also not be that, so... It can be it could be a real draw. It could be a real draw down to the finish line. And in case any of our listeners want to follow this man on Twitter, highly suggested you can follow him at Rad Rivas on Twitter. R-A-D-R-I-V-A-S. So Christian, we're sitting here, we're waiting for the Lakers to finally make a move, maybe do something, maybe do nothing. But then as we're all waiting and sitting here for Kawhi, hey, the Lakers actually did sign a free agent today. How about Troy Daniels, career 40% shooter, six foot four, seems to fit the profile of player they need for this roster regardless of Kawhi, but he doesn't offer anything really beyond the shooting. But the career 40% mark from deep, we got to like that, right? Yeah, and I, 
I think beyond that, he's probably not going to do much else. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up not playing very much during the season. I mean, obviously, I don't think they signed him to be a starter. It's more likely that he had an opportunity from another team to sign for the Vets minimum. And he's probably uh, a guy that the Lakers had on the higher end uh, of the bottom of the, the barrel guys that they wanted, which is, you know... Uh, doesn't sound right, but I mean that's probably what happened. He had, he had an opportunity from another team, and the Lakers said, "Well, well, we might as well just get this over with right now because it's not going to affect our cap space anyway." So, I think it'll be a decent pickup. But again, uh, the size of his role, I don't imagine it will be uh, very big. Definitely, definitely strikes me more as like a tenth, maybe even eleventh guy on the bench in an ideal scenario. But certainly better to have shooters than not. That was a big issue with this Lakers team last season and LeBron's right. first in Los Angeles. And when when he signed, or when we got the news that he is planning to sign, for some reason I had an Anthony Morrow flashback. Did that that happen to you by chance? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I think that's a that's a fair comparison to make as well. Right. He's one of those guys who I thought could fit on a lot of Lakers teams in years past. So, hey, if Troy Daniels, if nothing else, if we get a shooter, I think that's an important step forward. But of course, it's all about Kawhi. And before we get to into the Kawhi stuff, we got to remind everybody, make sure that you follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers. You can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff, N-O-R-O-F. And you can always find this podcast in the Apple Podcasts app. Just type in Hoopball Lakers and subscribe, and you'll never miss an episode. So now we got to get right into the Kawhi Leonard chase, right? A week ago for me, a week ago, this was not a realistic pursuit. I sat here on this podcast. Dan and I kind of went back and forth, and we said, hey, Kawhi Leonard, it feels like the Clippers, it feels like the Raptors, and it doesn't feel like much else. But all of a sudden, the Lakers have suddenly become a very, very, very real threat, for lack of a better word, in the Kawhi Leonard chase, right? And everybody's sitting here, and everybody's had an opinion now before D'Angelo Russell was shipped off to Golden State, which we'll eventually get to. And before all these moves were being made, there was plan A, there was plan B, there was plan Q. There were all these different avenues to explore. But right now, it's basically Kawhi Leonard or just LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And when I say just LeBron James and Anthony Davis, that's no disrespect to either of those two guys. Because literally in any other offseason ever for any team ever in existence, that would be a very successful offseason. But right now, the Lakers have this opportunity to chase historic greatness, right? And really, the Kawhi Leonard pursuit comes down to opportunity cost, right? What are you what are you passing up in order to chase this chance at pairing Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James. The thing that I like about it personally is that not only does it address the present, but it also addresses the future because in the post-LeBron era, you can still move forward with Anthony Davis, with Kawhi Leonard, and it really doesn't matter who else is out there at that point. Of course, that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but you're in a much better position than with just AD alone. And if they're able to put together this big three, right, it might be the best big three in history. It might be the best big three in the NBA. It feels like it has a chance to be. And if they're able to do this, Rob Palinka, Jeannie Buss, throw Magic Johnson in there because apparently he's still involved somehow, some way. And this entire front office will have a chance to say, we built a historically great Lakers team that has a ceiling to be historically great rather than capping it at really, really good or maybe great for one year. Do you think, Christian, that the opportunity cost is worth it when it comes to the Kawhi Leonard pursuit? Uh, yeah, because I, I think it's a, a very realistic chance. Like, if this were last season and I was the Denver Nuggets and, you know, I was talking myself, in, talking myself into 
you know, getting LeBron James, I think as a fan of the Nuggets, um, I'd be upset because it's like he's clearly not coming. It's a good basketball situation, but we know where his head's at. Um, but I think, you know, Kawhi Leonard being a hometown kid, the Lakers having a, an attractive product to sell on the court for the first time in, in quite a few years is, is a big thing going for them. And um, I, I think it's feasible, which is which is more than you could have said. You know, uh, even I'd say five days ago. Um, so it, it, it's definitely very possible. Um, my worry, though, is that it, it is a big risk because a lot of their plan B guys uh, and a lot of guys that people thought would be be able to have for cheap um, because I, I think people were probably foolishly assuming that teams were were going to learn from the cap spike from a few summers ago and not offer these big long-term contracts to players. But um, as we can see, they did. Uh, Reggie Bullock got paid. Uh, we've seen guys like Wayne Ellington get get big long-term contracts. Brooke Lopez got paid. Um, so uh, the market right now is is very dry, and, and it's not getting, you know, people aren't just sitting around and, and waiting for Kawhi Leonard to make his decision other than, you know, maybe Danny Green. Uh, but even then, if, you, if you're getting Kawhi Leonard, you're probably not getting Danny Green because teams like Dallas and, and the Clippers have, you know, ample cap room to, uh, ample cap, cap room, uh, to sign guys like Danny Green, Jamichael Green, Marcus Moore. So uh, it's, it's, you know, it's a big risk, uh, but also a really big reward. So we'll see how it works out for him. No doubt. I mean, to, to in order to get something that large, in order for a chance to build something that great, you have to be willing to swing for the fences, right? You have to have a certain energy. It's kind of like the guy who sits at the high rollers table and can't be worried about losing one hand or winning one. You're there for the long haul. And right now, I think the Lakers, they've put a, sort of put themselves into this position of, hey, we're here to be here. And if we're not and if it's not going to work out, then we'll figure it out. But we still have AD and LeBron. So is it really a disappointment if the Lakers don't land Kawhi Christian? Like, is it really that bad to have AD and LeBron and have to figure it out thereafter? Um, you know, that's a tough question. I think, um, obviously, Anthony Davis and LeBron James is enough to get you into the playoffs, hopefully. Uh, but I also don't think you ignore, ignore the fact that Anthony Davis does pick up a lot of little injuries throughout the season. Um, and LeBron James will be 35 midway through the season. And, you know, uh, he's coming off of the worst injury he's ever had in his career. Uh, I, I, I think there is th- th- it's not out of the realm of possibility th- to think that LeBron James and Anthony Davis could underwhelm next season if they're not surrounded with the right supporting cast. Because last season, it, it, it seemed like. All but a guarantee that the Lakers were gonna were gonna make the playoffs, and you know even with LeBron James injuries, you, you can point to that as the reason they didn't make the playoffs, and it, it is a large reason in, in the team injuries as a whole. But you also look at the roster construction. You know, did they do everything they could uh, to to weather the storm to to survive an, an injury like that? And um, I think you can argue that they didn't, and they're gonna have an even tougher time uh, filling out that roster with with you know, real difference makers. So, um, you know, I, that's that's going to be the most important thing. Do I think they make the playoffs? Yes. But if they don't get Kawhi Leonard and they fill out their roster with, you know, the guys that are left on the market, which which was which isn't a ton of key difference makers, um, 
I, I think they're gonna they they'd have to do some work at the trade deadline or the buyout market to be a, a legitimate contender to me. I agree with you. I mean, I do think that if for some reason the Kawhi Leonard pursuit goes sideways, the Lakers could maybe look to use that cap space via trade, right? Goran Dragic is a name that's been thrown out as a plan. Oh yeah. Because uh-huh. he has right, he hasn't been able to to get out of Miami as a result of that Jimmy Butler deal. So Goran Dragic is a name like that. The Lakers could look into the trade market a little bit more. But I think the the key idea here is if you said at the at the end of the last season, the season that just was, hey, going into next year, you're guaranteed to have at least AD and LeBron. I think most Lakers fans would have taken that regardless of what else was around them. But now that the Kawhi pursuit feels so real, it feels so tangible, like you can just reach out and touch it, then I feel like it's going to be framed as somewhat of a disappointment, even if it's not. And before we go any further, I have to ask you a very important question. Do you believe in the power of Lakers subreddit? <laughs> that is a very good question. And and I think I know where you're asking it. Um, boy, would that be something... I know... It, so... I'm I'm wary of of people on Twitter with sources. Um, I think I've made that very clear for anybody that's followed me. But this guy um, on Reddit RDA or RDA RD ambition. Um, that's the one. He has been right on a few things in the past, um, including you know the Wizards being involved as a as a third team with the Lakers. Uh, he was first to the Al Horford Sixers uh, thing, if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, I think you're <laughs> if if there's anyone to believe, um, I, I, I think you can talk yourself into believing him. But I mean, nothing's done until it's done. Um, but it, I mean, if he's reporting Kawhi Leonard to the Lakers is is officially done, close to being done, at least uh, I think it's hard not to get a little bit excited of course, man. I mean, and look, I'm I'm the same skeptic, right? Everybody during free agency has sources. Everybody wants to be somebody, but of course, during the season, that all magically goes away. But I've had a lot of conversations about this particular man, person, whatever he is on subreddit, had a lot of uh, connecting of the dots, shall we say. And I agree with you that it is definitely more encouraging than discouraging, right? It's better to right. say yes than to, than to say no. But at the same time, it's not done until it's done. And and I got to say, if he is right on this, boy, that is going to be one big win for anyone who wants to believe in the power of Arya Abraham. Am I right? <laughs> that, that, I mean, uh, maybe. Um, again, wait. Um, it's, uh, I, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll hold comments on that for now, but, um, yeah, it, it is definitely uh, a big win for, for Twitter sources. No, no doubt. And those Twitter <laughs> sources, I, I myself am very skeptical of them. I've made myself very, very vocal about that. And, and look, man, it's really easy to play the source game when it comes to social media, trying to find this on Instagram and report it as sources on Twitter, trying to find that on another social media account, connecting the dots. And, and unfortunately, in the age of social media, when it comes to sources and fact verification, we tend to not necessarily remember or even forget who was wrong, but we remember who was right. And we don't keep track of that sort of stuff. So it is worth evaluating in the overall context. But of course, we want more optimism than pessimism. And that seems to be what our guy RD Ambition has to say. So we shall see how that comes out. But until it's until it's done, it's not done. I'm with you, man. So the case for Kawhi, the chase for Kawhi, the opportunity cost, it seems like it's all in the same bag. But until the Lakers get that name on the dotted line, a deal is not done until it's done. Regardless of the Kawhi pursuit, though, when it comes to cap space, 
the Lakers are in a very tight spot. They've got the room exception, they've got minimum deals, and they've got absolutely nothing else. So when you look at the rest of this free agent class, right, there's groups of players out there. Like you said, no major uh, difference maker. I thought a guy like Rashawn Holmes who came off the board, right. exception, that would have been a really nice fit. George Hill got more money than I think people anticipated. Teams mm-hmm. obviously didn't learn anything from 2016 with some of these contracts that we saw yesterday. And so you now you've got guys like, uh, let's put some wings together, right? Any of these guys stand out to you? David Nwaba, of course, he's an ex-Laker. Babo Cephalosha, Nick Stauskas, Jamal Crawford, Vince Carter, KCP, Iman Shumpert, Lance Stevenson, Stanley Johnson. Any of those names stand out to you as a potential uh, sign for the Lakers here? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think Thabo Cephalosha is probably uh, one I'm particularly interested in, um, especially because I think he can be had for relatively cheap. Uh, KCP, I'd hope he'd be open to taking something like the room exception after the uh, inflated deals the Lakers have, have handed him over the last few years. They've gifted uh, him $30 million over the ab- last two years. Right. So that one would hope that he, um, you know, he, he takes a, a, a slight pay cut. Um, but I, I think what it ultimately boils down to, and, and again, this might be a non-factor. I'm just thinking in, in terms of starting lineups, I think who they target in in free agency to round out that starting lineup it ultimately comes down to what that starting lineup looks like. Does Kawhi Leonard start at the two? Uh, does LeBron James move over to the four? And at that point, does Anthony Davis want to play center? Um, it, it's going to be tough. I, I think we know Anthony Davis isn't the biggest fan of playing center, similar to how Al Horford was with Boston. Uh, a, a lot of people don't know this, but w- when... Uh, Al Horford's natural position is at the power forward position. And now that he's in Philadelphia, he'll be able to play that alongside Joel Embiid. So I think Anthony Davis is in a similar situation. He played like 96% of his time uh, with the Pelicans last season at the, at the center position, but in an ideal world, he'll he'll be playing power forward and closing at the center, if anything. Um, So I think from the early rumblings we heard in free agency, the Lakers want a starting caliber center to pair alongside um, Anthony Davis and then bring Kyle Kuzma off the bench to carry that second unit. Uh, But you look at the market and there aren't very many capable starting centers left. So I wouldn't be surprised if that plan has changed a little bit uh, given the market. And, um, you know, at that point you just target as many guards as you can. Again, KCP is an option target a point guard like uh I don't know. I, I think you're looking at Rajon Rondo right now is, is your best option. And um, uh, obviously it's not the the dream scenario for, for anybody that watched him play last season. But, uh, you know, at, at this point, you're just going best available guys. You know, I thought the Lakers kind of missed an opportunity, not only with Rashawn Holmes, but Wesley Matthews going back to Milwaukee where he spent some time Marquette over in that area on the veteran minimum, that's a really good deal for them. That could have been a guy who fit the bill for the Lakers on the veteran minimum, don't you think? I, I absolutely. There are a few guys that I think could have been had for the veterans minimum, like uh, Wesley Matthews is one I was really bummed to see go. I thought he would have been a pretty decent fit off the bench. Um, so, yeah, I, I, it, it's hard to to read the room because the Lakers are certainly operating like a team that thinks they're getting Kawhi Leonard. Um, and if that's the case, they know something we don't, uh, or I shouldn't say we, cause Artie ambition certainly seems to know what they're doing. So 
We, sh- um, we, we shall see if he's correct, <laughs> right? I, yeah. I, lo- I, I love the idea of Thabo Cephalosha. You know, of course, I wish he was 30, not in his mid-30s, but right. I love the idea of that kind of player, that profile of player. Iman Shumpert would be a lot more interesting to me if he could stay healthy, but that seemed to be a real issue for him. If Stanley Johnson could learn to even shoot capably, he would be a, a lot more appealing than he currently is, but that shot is just so broken. And I think it tells you something when a player that young doesn't even get a qualifying offer and the interest in him has been basically non-existent. I think that's something to be concerned about if you're another team looking to employ him. So you brought up point guards and you make a good point. It feels like just a matter of time, maybe until Rajon Rondo's re-signed. I know it's been a long time since his Boston tenure, but he did have some success in that role in getting the ball to the star players, right? And finding that balance. Of course, he was a little bit bullheaded at times for lack of a better way to say it. But at the same time, he did serve a purpose in that role. So that gives me some hope, but a lot of the numbers point toward Alex Caruso being a better option when it comes to on the floor. And so he's a guy who I think they could still bring back. They gave him a qualifying offer, maybe re-sign him at the minimum instead. But guys like TJ McConnell are out there, Emmanuel Moutier, Jared Bayless, old Wiley vet out there. And then Quinn Cook is a guy who I think the Warriors are going to have to let go as a result of that Kevin Durant, D'Angelo Russell, absolutely insane sign and trade. So those are some interesting names too. Any of those appeal to you beyond Rondo? Oh yeah. Uh, I would love Quinn Cook on this roster. I think he showed that he's a very capable shooter um, in in the playoffs and then NBA Finals. Even though the Warriors didn't win, um, you know he stepped up really really big, and that that was impressive to me. Kevon Looney would be so good. Um, he probably wouldn't start, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him close games. He's a guy that's really high on my list for for guys the Lakers can sign with the room exception. Um, again, I think a, a shooting guard not necessarily a shooting guard but a guard that can shoot three-pointers is a big need for them um but again if 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 a guy like kevon looney is available for the room exception i think you absolutely have to do it and um so yeah they the again the the market is just drying out as we speak and um you know it it all the lakers have to get really creative with with um the signings and I, i think an interesting point that you brought up uh, was guys like Stanley Johnson and Rondé Hollis Jefferson, Dragon Bender, um, guys that never really lived up to their draft type. I think that's a market the Lakers are gonna explore. Um, you know, with the, with the end of the bench, and at that point, those are really rejuvenation projects, uh, low risk, high reward. Um, and and I wouldn't be you know extremely mad to see Stanley Johnson come back home to to Southern California and try to figure it out with the Lakers because. You know, if, if you're signing somebody like Stanley Johnson or Rondé Hollis Jefferson, it's for them to play like 10, 12 minutes a night, best case, uh, and really just being high energy guys, small ball fours. Um, so I wouldn't mind that at all. Um, and I think the other thing you have to consider is the Lakers have had such luck finding talent and contributors late in the draft. Uh, and there's no reason to believe they can't do that again this year in the undrafted free agent pool or just in the free agent pool in general, filling those holes, um, especially and and forgive me if I'm butchering his last name, but uh, Nick Mazzella, who was with the South Bay Lakers and was able to sniff out a few gems and, you know, Jamario Jones, David Nawaba, Alex Caruso, um, you know, he's with, he's with the parent team now, so. I'm really excited to see the type of roster the Lakers can put together. 
um, with with minimal cap space. Again, it's obviously not the ideal situation for them to be in, but the cap will jump again next year. Um, and if the Lakers are lucky, they'll you know they'll have another opportunity to to build a roster next next season. If you had your choice for the room exception between a guy like Kevon Looney, who you brought up, and then a guy like Jermichael Green, who I just want to say was a 40.3% shooter from behind the arc last season. Right. Yeah. Right? Which one of those players do you prefer? Well, I, I think Jermichael's three-point shooting makes him extremely valuable. Um, and, and, and he's a really good defender in space, too, um, at that power forward position. So I, I think he would be great. Uh, my only thing is um, if the Lakers get Kawhi Leonard... The Clippers are going to turn their attention to, you know, retaining Jermichael Green, signing sure. Marcus Morris, uh, getting really all of the the key role players left on the market, um, which will probably end up hurting the Lakers indirectly. Um, but I mean, again, if you have Kawhi Leonard, I, I, I was talking to a few of my colleagues about this. If you're getting, if you have Kawhi Leonard and LeBron James on your roster. You already know who's handling the ball. I mean, at that point, the term point guard is, you know, a, a glorified spot up shooter. Um, it's 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 a really exciting, you know, thing to think about. But I mean, the flip side to that is, you know, what if he does stay with the Raptors? And at that point, it becomes a bidding war between the Clippers, Lakers and Mavericks uh, for the best guys in the market. And, uh, you know, you'd hope that people look at a, the situation the Lakers are in with Anthony Davis and LeBron James uh, and, you know, 10, 11 open roster spots and say, you know, I can get uh, in, in an L.A. market. I can get paid. I The spotlight is on me. I can prove myself. Um, but there are also guys that I think uh, could shy away from that. So, again, it, there's so many things that can happen and we won't know which ones will happen until Kawhi Leonard signs a contract somewhere. I think I think it's interesting, too, and I agree with you. The Lakers are going to sort of have to play a little bit of money ball in free agency, right? Look for those values where other people aren't. I think the buyout market will be huge for the Lakers. A guy like Kyle Korver, a guy like his new teammate, at least for now, Andre Iguodala. Wouldn't it be funny if they both got bought out and both wound up with the Lakers? Uh, I could definitely see that. Absolutely. Um I, and Andre Iguodala, I, I mean, if he if he isn't going to retire, which I think would be silly because he's still such a good basketball player. Um, if he's bought out by the Grizzlies, my God, would he be such a fantastic pickup for the Lakers? Um, I mean, and that's another guy you can close out lineup or you can close out games with. I mean, that's a experienced championship veteran. Um, I don't know if you might have some cynicism towards LeBron James uh, for blocking his shot in the finals. Uh, but I'm sure they could get over that rather quickly by by winning another one for Los Angeles. So uh, Iguodala is somebody I would love. Kyle Korver in a limited role I think can be very helpful. Um, so yeah, that and that's probably, I mean, uh, hopefully all of these things get resolved in free agency, but I, I think that's part of the reason the Lakers are probably going to keep a roster spot open as they have been past years going into training camp and probably through the trade deadline, because I think this is going to be a, a, you know, a big buyout year. You have guys on expiring contracts that aren't exactly superstars that can ask for buyouts. Um, I would not be at all surprised to see Tristan Thompson on the Lakers um, when the trade deadline, pa- trade deadline passes next season. 
Um, Jordan Clarkson's another guy I'd look at. Uh, and coming back to Los Angeles, just recent, recently signed with Club Sports. Um, it's going to... Guys are going to look at the Lakers as an, uh, as an attractive destination because, because uh, again, they have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and maybe even Kawhi Leonard. So uh, the buyout market, you never know what it's going to look like, but um, I'd imagine there will be some guys available. And when they do, it's hard to imagine Los Angeles won't be their, their, their first destination. You know, it's pretty amazing, too, and I think some of these guys are going to be forgotten, right? I mean, you have names still out there like Justin Holiday. Shout out to Justin Holiday. We went to high school together. Jeff Green, <laughs> Jim, right. Jeff Green, James Ennis, Ian Clark. Uh, we'll get back to Mello in just a second. Wilson Chandler, remember him. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, we brought him up. And I got to ask you about Mello, man. You think Carmelo Anthony is going to be on this team? Uh, absolutely. Uh, if I had a if I had to put money on it, I I'd say yeah, he's probably on the team. Um, I think, ironically, I think the the best <laughs> the best spot for him uh, is probably in Golden State with the Warriors. Now that they don't have KD or Iggy at that three spot, uh, they're going to need as much help as possible. And I could totally see him signing with the Warriors. I think that would be a great spot for him. And I'm not just saying that because I wouldn't love him on the Lakers, but um. I think genuinely the the Warriors would be a good fit for him. I think the Nuggets even uh, could use some help at the three spot, assuming he can still play the three and not the four. Uh, I, again, as a 13th, 14th guy, he wouldn't be a big issue. Uh, he's just another veteran to have in the locker room. The same thing can be said about Pau Gasol. You don't expect him to make an impact, but... Yeah, to have on a veteran heavy team, you just want guys that get along with each other and know what it takes to win basketball games. So I wouldn't mind, but it, if they were to sign Mello in favor of somebody like a Jeff Green, who I think would be a fantastic fit on this roster, um, you know, I, I wouldn't be super thrilled about it. Right. Totally agreed. I think there might be room for both of those guys if it comes down to that, but would agree. And you got to be concerned. Look, Melo hasn't played basketball in a year. He can keep himself in the best shape possible inside the Jordan gym or anywhere else. The reality is <laughs> it's not the NBA. So there's right. a level of concern. And I would say the same thing about J.R. Smith. I know he's been connected to the Lakers because they're looking to dump his contract. It's only got so much guaranteed before it becomes fully guaranteed. But the reality is J.R. Smith hasn't played in almost a calendar year now because he sat out the majority mm. of the Cavs season. So those are guys who, yes, Yes, in theory, they could fit because of the LeBron connection, because of the roster construction. I get it. But it is very hard, especially when you're over 30, to virtually sit out a year, even if you're training, <laughs> even if you're practicing, all those things, and suddenly come back and say, yep, I'm now good at NBA basketball again. Right. So it is a legitimate concern. There's one other guy I want to ask you about, and then we'll sort of roll into how free agency has gone to, to wind it all up. The Knicks have come out and spent a ton of money on a lot of power forwards, but they haven't touched Noah Vonley. Can you explain that to me? Woo. Well, you're uh, you're emptying emptying the cannon today. Um, Noah Vonley is another guy I would absolutely love the Lakers uh, to take a look at. Um, I wouldn't put him on the same level as Kevon Looney, but he's another guy. I think if you want a mobile five um, that can close out games. Noah Vonley is probably your guy. And again, another um, a, another guy the Lakers can offer a one-year make-good deal to uh, in the same realm of Stanley Johnson. Although, in my opinion, Vonley's shown a little more than, than Stanley or RHJ have in their career so far. So, um, yeah, Vonley would be a tremendous pickup for them. And you look at the market for bigs right now, um, 
he's he's Pretty probably dry. yeah attainable. Uh, the same can be said for Willie Cauley Stein. Um, I'm not particularly high on him, and I know Kings fans aren't either. I am not uh, either. Right, and 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 there's a reason for that. He's a he's a bouncy guy, but I mean, for somebody that's seven feet um, and as athletic he as as he is, he's um he's a pretty atrocious defender. So uh, it's a hard pass for me, um, honestly. And I'm not just saying this because. Uh, I have a little bit of my heart in the team, but I would I would honestly rather see Pau Gasol on the team than than uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. No, I hear you, man. And look, the reality is there are questions about Cauley-Stein's work ethic. There are questions, questions, questions. And right. I don't think he wanted to hit unrestricted free agency to take the room exception or to take a minimum deal. So it feels like he might go to one of those teams. Like, let's just say Dallas. They need to spend a little bit more money. They miss out on some of their premier targets. I could see a scenario like that. But they've also got a lot of bigs now with the Porzingis extension, bringing back bringing back both Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell on that extension. So it's it could be, but not necessarily a perfect fit. And that's the reality when you have nearly half the league as free agents. There are going to be a lot of moving parts and mm-hmm. some people looking for a chair when the music stops, right? That's kind of where we are. So now that we've talked a little bit about the Knicks and Noah Vonley and we've kind of touched on all the pillars of free agency – I want to get your thoughts on some of the more surprising moves of free agency, right? And and before we get to the Nets actually doing it, since we just mentioned the Knicks, let me just channel my inner Stephen A. Smith for a second. Hold on. Everybody's <laughs> just got to wait for this. Because we started this offseason. We were going to get Kyrie. We were going to get KD. We were going to have the next super team in New York. We were going to do it all. We were going to restore the past glory that was the Knicks. And you mean to tell me that we spent $114 million on three power forwards? We paid Reggie Bullock how much money? We brought in Alfred Payton when we already have Dennis Smith Jr. and Wayne Ellington. What is he going to do for this team? Did I get it right or what? Yeah, uh, spot on. Um, right, and, I, and I think that's what Knicks fans are, are thinking too because you look at some of the salary dump moves that, that teams have need to make like um, like the Warriors, the Heat, um, you know, Portland to a lesser extent. You, you look at those teams and you're like, man, imagine how many picks and assets the Knicks could have gotten if they just held on to that to that cap space and waited for deals like that. Cause as, as much as, as high as I am on Julius Randall, I think he's a very good player. Um, I think Wayne Ellington, Taj Gibson, those are all guys that can help you win games. Uh, Bobby Portis, I, I think is a little underrated and, and the same could be said of Reggie Bullock. Um, but man, I, even in the barren Western conference that I, I it's expected to be next season, that's not a playoff team with the Knicks. Um, no and way. if if their hope is to flip those guys for assets at the trade deadline, then so be it. But otherwise, um, I I just don't know what they're doing. Well, here's here's where I'll give the Knicks credit, right? Because Bobby Marks of ESPN came out today and he told us that all of these contracts, Alfred Payton, Wayne Ellington, Bobby Portis, Taj Gibson, and Reggie Bullock, they all have team options for the second season. Now, it's hard to get a team option unless you overpay the player, but I think that actually increases their value as a trade asset as well, right? Because the team has control over the player in those scenarios. So I like that there are team options. Really, it's just a one-year commitment if it needs to be a one-year commitment. Julius Randle. Really good player in a vacuum. I like him a whole lot. 20 million sounds about 
like the right price. I know it's about $21 million a year. You got a team option on his third year, so that's really a two-year commitment. If you want to go back into the class of 2021 and spend your money there, I get that too. But I could not agree with you more on this idea of salary dumping and extracting more assets. Basically, what the Knicks could have done after they realized they weren't going to get their pipe dream was they could have taken bad deals and additional assets sets in an effort to rebuild, sort of like what the Brooklyn Nets did, right? And the Brooklyn Nets just wound up with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So something must be working there. I thought the Knicks could have taken those salary dumps, whether it's an Andre Iguodala, whether it was a guy like even Clint Capella, right, when the Rockets were looking to dump him and they thought they had a chance for Jimmy Butler. The, the idea is when you're a rebuilding team to extract as many additional assets as you can along the way. And I thought the Knicks could have done this in a different fashion. The only signing that I really outright don't understand at all is Alfred Payton, just because Dennis Smith Jr. is our there that seems like to have having someone just to have somebody at point guard bring back Moutier on the minimum maybe they didn't want to do that but Peyton at eight million a year doesn't make a lot of sense for that team but I agree with you this idea of renting out cap space it seems to me makes a lot more sense than doing what they did nonetheless the Knicks have made their bed they're going to live in it and it's going to be another long season in New York for that team <laughs> But maybe not for the one in Brooklyn, right? I know Kevin Durant's not going to play this year, but Kyrie Irving sure is. And wow, can you believe the Nets actually pulled this off? Um, I what I can't believe is is the opposite side of that. Like, I I think the Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant to the Nets has been a given for a little while now. Um, either the Nets or Knicks, but I think the Knicks fell off uh, towards that tail end of the season. Um, but what did surprise me was the the sign and trade with the Warriors that that sent D'Angelo Russell to the Warriors. Um, I don't know why they did that. I think there were other avenues that would have allowed the Nets to to get to that max cap space. Because uh, now the Warriors, above all else, I mean, is D'Angelo Russell going to play large minutes while Kawhi Leonard's recovering from his injury? Probably. Uh, but more than anything, I mean, they have a Clay, Clay Thompson, right? Right. Well, who did I say? Give me, give me Ka- Kawhi Leonard. Give me a quick nightmare. Of oh, Kawhi Leonard God. The Warriors yeah, no, no. The old Freudian slip watch. When In five minutes, we're going to get uh, a report saying that it for, for some reason, because they're the Warriors, they ended up getting Kawhi Leonard for the veterans minimum. No, um, sir. We can't be having that. <laughs> I, I meant uh, Clay Thompson, of course. And um, with... They what they got in trading Kevin Durant is another big contract they can use in a trade that they wouldn't have otherwise had, uh, and I tweeted this earlier today. But I think there's a zero percent chance that D'Angelo Russell isn't flipped for somebody like Robert Covington or Otto Porter Jr. at the trade deadline, somebody that can fill that three spot. Because um, Russell's good, don't get me wrong, and I wanted him on the Lakers as bad as anybody did, um, but it, it, he's just not. That's just not gonna stick in Golden State. I, I don't see that partnership or that marriage uh, lasting very long. Well, Mark Stein of the New York Times earlier today tweeted out basically saying the same thing, saying, you know, pretty much expect Golden State to explore a potential trade for D'Angelo Russell because he didn't feel like that was going to be a long-term marriage either. Regardless of whether it's one day, four years, or anywhere in between, I think it's safe to say that nobody saw that coming, right? No, definitely not. No. I, I mean, I didn't. I, I thought either... D'Lo was on his way to the Wolves or or Suns or even Lakers, but yeah, uh, out of the blue. Oh, for sure. And you know, I think with that, the 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 decision 
to execute that deal and the cost of Andre Iguodala was definitely one of the more fascinating and surprising parts of free agency as it opened up yesterday. And I think the reality is, too, with a guy like Andre Iguodala, basically with the Warriors, is they said, okay, we know that we're in here to lose Kevin Durant right now, right? We've resigned ourselves to this outcome. But in order to lose Kevin Durant, like the cost of acquisition for D'Angelo Russell was Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, two future first-round picks, and a commitment of $117 million. That strikes me as sort of a rich price to pay and a big bet on that core that it's going to keep working. Oh, absolutely. I think, um, man, I don't know what's going to happen with them. Nick. I, I think they sneak into the playoffs because – uh, Curry's human napalm and Draymond Green is just, uh, you know, a very talented player. But yeah, it is. Um, it's going to take some heavy lifting from from guys like Jacob Evans, who I was really high on going into the draft. Um, uh, I I think, man, it it was a really steep price to pay. And again, if you're a team like the Knicks or even the Mavericks, um. You know, with all that cap space, uh, yeah, you got to be kicking yourself for for not taking those deals when they were presented. The, you know, Dallas got into the mix early, but backed out because they didn't want to take a, a player with a long term contract. And it's like, come on, man! Like that Doncic Porzingis core is going to take a few more years to develop. So, yeah, I don't get it. I don't. I don't get the, how how some teams think. But uh, I, the Warriors know what they're doing. Bob Myers is a real smart guy, and until I see otherwise, I will uh, reserve my judgment on on the moves they make. All right. So t- tell me this, Christian. Tell me if I'm crazy or tell me if I'm spot on on this. The Suns sat here and they said, okay, we got the number six pick. We got cap space. But we want to give away TJ Warren for whatever reason. So we're going to trade TJ Warren. We're going to trade a pick, number 32 overall, to do so. We're going to eat into our own cap space before free agency starts. And we're going to come out of this whole process with Dario Saric, Cameron Johnson, Aaron <laughs> Baines, Frank Kaminsky, and Ricky Rubio at an AAV of $17 million a year. Right. Am I missing something here? No, I, I think that's uh, the Suns in a nutshell. Um, I, I don't know why. They didn't trade up in the draft for somebody like Darius Garland or even Kobe White to a lesser extent. Um, they could have yeah. had Kobe White. They could have kept the sixth overall pick and just taken him. Right. Um, I don't know exactly what it is they're doing, which it, it's unfortunate because I'm really high on a lot of the guys they have. Like, I think Mikael Bridges is going to be a stud. I think DeAndre Ayton has a little growing to do, but he, there's a chance he's a very good center, like an all-NBA center at some point during his career. Uh, but they're just not putting the pieces around them to succeed. Um, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be mad to see them uh, move to Seattle in a few years, say say the least, under new ownership. Well, a fish rots from the head, so you can put James Jones in as GM. You can hire Monty Williams as your coach. But as long as Robert Sarver owns that team, things are going to stay the exact same. Am I right? Absolutely. Okay, and so before we get out of here, man, we got a couple more things we got to go over. Free agency has just been all over the map. Philly's reconstruction. If you were to sit here yesterday before any of this went down and said, hey, you got to give up Jimmy Butler, but you're going to get Tobias Harris. You're going to keep him. You're going to give up Jimmy Butler, and you're going to swap him out for Josh Richardson and Al Horford. Would you have signed up for that deal? Oh, yeah. I think um, as much as I love Jimmy, he's a really high-usage guy, and uh, to get a to get a guy like Al Horford, who is so underrated. I mean, looking at his box score, it might not be all that impressive, at least not on the surface. Um, but he does so many good things, and that that lineup is going to be so big and defensively versatile, uh, especially with Richardson, who 
I'm also really high on. Uh, they're going to be good. It, it's again comes down to similar to the Warriors situation, but obviously the Sixers are in a little bit better position because their guys are healthy. Um, but they're really depending on you know guys like Zaire Smith and um, I'm blanking on a few of the other young guys they have, but Zaire Smith is especially uh, coming into their own and and being good basketball players because if not. Uh, they're going to run into some trouble, you know, come the regular season and, or, you know, God forbid, uh, in the event, Joel Embiid picks up another injury. Well, it was the most surprising move of yesterday with everything that we zigged left, we zigged left, zagged right. Everything that happened was the most surprising move of yesterday. The Nuggets giving $170 million to Jamal Murray. Uh, no, I, I think that's his market. Um, I, and Lakers fans have the right to, you know, hold hard feelings against Jamal Murray, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's, um, you know, a really good basketball player. He's a he's a three level scorer. Um, he's a young kid, and you know, that's the price for for somebody of his caliber. So, I have I'm not as high on the Nuggets core in general as other people are. Um, I think it all depends on how Michael Porter Jr. comes back. I was really high on him coming into the draft, uh, as as many people were, but um. Yeah, I think you look at the the top of the Western Conference with teams like the Nuggets, Jazz, Trailblazers, um, and unless I'm forgetting another team that's had a really big offseason at the top of the West, uh, those teams are getting deeper and stocking up for for playoff runs. And the Lakers, um, you know, even if it is for Kawhi Leonard, uh, have let those guys, you know, pass them by. I think Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James is a top three team in the Western Conference, if not the top team. Uh, but it's not going to be a particularly deep one. Uh, and I think there are legitimate, like multiple legitimate title contenders in the Western Conference. Uh, but, I mean, if you had a bet on a team making it out, I think you'd, you'd put your money on Kawhi AD and LeBron every time. Oh, no doubt about it. The way I always look at it when, you know, this argument of, hey, should we sign Kawhi or should we sign players with cap space? And it's like, hey, would you take, Dan- let's just use three random players. Would you take Danny Green, Jeremy Lamb, and Rashawn Holmes and trade him for Kawhi Leonard? Yes, every time. Okay, cool. That's why we're waiting now for <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, right? That's, that's a good yeah. way to think about it for me. And so to go go back to Jamal Murray, I agree with you. That's probably what his market is. Supply and demand curve shifts in the NBA. There's only so much talent and so many people willing to pay for it. And look, if Terry Rozier is worth over $19 million a year, then Jamal Murray's worth the max, right? Yeah, I, I agreed all around. So that's the way it's got to go. Kemba Walker going to Boston. At first when it came up, I thought it was straight leverage, but it appeared there was real bad blood on both sides between Kemba and Charlotte. They just weren't willing to come up and match that number. So a good rebound for the Celtics. I would have liked it a lot better if the second move was trading for somebody like Kevin Love and not signing Ennis Cantor, but I get it, right? right. Kevin Love, Jason Tatum, and Kemba Walker, even if you got to say goodbye to Jalen Brown, sounds a lot better than Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kemba Walker, and Ennis Cantor, but that's neither here nor there. We like when the Celtics make moves that we can <laughs> question on this podcast yeah, i was just gonna right? say why do we care <laughs> right we we we, ca- we care about that only for the sake of it's something to hold over their head right <laughs> yeah and, and, and the reality is after everything that's happened and until we learn about Kawhi, maybe hassan whiteside's trade is the most surprising for me yeah oh god i hated that trade for portland uh i don't know if they kicked tires on kevin love and that that just didn't work out but ugh, hassan whiteside and and Use of Nurkic in that front court is a big no for me, especially because they let Alfaruk Aminu go to to Orlando, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, oh, no, I I am not a fan of that trade at all. Um, 
Okay, they they like, also just sent Mo Harkless packing in that Jimmy Butler deal. Right. So, oh God, I I don't know what that was about. Uh, but they got Kemp Bazemore. They brought they bought um they brought Rodney Hood back. Rodney Hood got back. Kemp Bazemore. They swapped out Evan Turner for him. So that's a good move. Yeah. And look, maybe maybe the white side acquisition is a hedge against Nurkic's injury and his recovery. Maybe the white side acquisition is just a flip in another trade. He is an expiring contractor. There's something to be said for that. But the reality is it was definitely surprising. I don't think anyone walked into free agency saying, hey, I think Hassan Whiteside is going to be traded before Bradley Beal. Right. Well, it should be a, an interesting rest of free agency. The Lakers play tonight. At 6 p.m., their first summer league game in Sacramento. Taylor Horton Tucker's not playing, so um, it doesn't really matter. But if that's something that piques your interest, I'd encourage your listeners to watch it. Um, And if all goes well, Kawhi to L.A. will break during the game. Yes, sir. And, you know, just as just before we get out of here, we have to mention that the Caesars Sportsbook has actually taken the Kawhi Leonard yeah. free agency betting prop right <laughs> off the table. I just saw that. So 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 we like that, too. Right. All the things lining up to be potentially coming up. Lakers, Christian, what should we leave our listeners with? What's the last note for Lakers fans as we head into the rest of free agency in the offseason? Um, my hot take is uh, Kawhi to L.A. will will or quite to somewhere will probably be announced within the next two, three hours. All right. So Kawhi Leonard's going to make his next move known soon. The Lakers, like the rest of the NBA are waiting on pins and needles, and we're going to have a brand new league next season, <laughs> no matter what happens. Right. For Christian, I'm Ethan, the hoop all Lakers podcast. We appreciate you listening until next time. The ride for Kawhi carries on. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.